Welcome to the Digital Edge with Sharon Nelson and Jim Calloway. Your hosts, both legal technologists, authors, and lecturers, invite industry professionals to discuss a new topic related to lawyers and technology. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the 81st edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises. And I'm Jim Calloway, director of the Oklahoma Bar Association's Management Assistance Program. Today, our topic is Lawyers Love Apple, the new iPhones, Apple Pay, and the Apple Watch. We are happy and delighted to welcome our friend Jeff Richardson. Jeff is a partner in the New Orleans office of Adams and Reese. His practice focuses on defending company suit and class actions and complex litigation, as well as appellate litigation. Jeff, as many of our listeners know, also publishes the iPhone JD blog, the oldest and most comprehensive website for attorneys who use iPhones and iPads. Hey, Jim. Hey, Sharon. Thank you for having me on today. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure to talk with you all. Well, we're always happy when we're in the same faculty with you, Jeff. So let's get started with two new iPhones, uh, not long before we were recording this podcast. So now that we have these, should lawyers think about upgrading? Yeah, these are great ones. You know, Apple comes out with new iPhones every year, most typically in the fall, and they usually have sort of a two-year cycle where they have a big upgrade on the even years, and then on the odd years, they have sort of a more incremental upgrade, not that they're not as exciting, but um, but this is one of the big ones, you know, going to the new number, the, the six, and uh, this is a really nice iPhone. Any attorney that is currently using an iPhone 5, or certainly anyone using an iPhone 4S or earlier, you know, this is the time to upgrade. And even if you have the iPhone 5S that can out last year, which is what I had been using, this is a really nice upgrade, and, and you're going to really enjoy it if you decide to make the jump. Um, you know, there's so many things. Uh, the, the feel of it is so much nicer. It's it's thinner. It has a curved side to it. It just feels really nice in your hand. The, uh, you know, the, the curve on it almost reminds me of, uh, you know, those, uh, what are those things called, like those worry stones you sort of <laughs> hold in your hand? It has that sort of nice, <laughs> comforting feel to you. And, you know, for an iPhone that you're holding in your hand all the time when you're using it, you know, those those little things matter. Um, I also would like to say that the new iPhone 6 is lighter. I realize that that's false. I mean, it, it weighs 4.55 ounces, and the, the 5S was 3. Point, uh, you know, it, uh, the, it weighs more than the iPhone 5S did at 3.95, but it feels lighter, and I guess that's because it's, it's a little bit larger, and the weight is distributed, and, and probably most because it's thinner. But, um, but it's, it's a great-feeling iPhone. But then when you get to the substance of it, and not to bury the lead here, I mean, the big story on the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus are the bigger and better screens. And, um, you know, just to focus on the 6, which is what I use for right now, the uh, the Retina HD screen on it, screen on it has a much higher contrast, uh, you know, which means that text is sharper. So it's easier to read emails and websites, and the blacks are deeper. Um, but the big change, of course, is the larger screen. We used to have, um, you know, the old iPhone 4S and earlier had had the um, the 3.5 inch screen, and then um, with the iPhone 5 and 5s, we had the 4 inch screen. And uh, we now have larger screens, which is interesting for Apple to go this route. Um, the iPhone 6 is 4.7 inches, and, and the, the Plus is 5.5. That The 4.7-inch screen, I've, I'm really getting into it. It's um, It makes the phone 
just a tiny bit harder to hold in your hand because it's larger. But I have to admit that after about, um, gosh, a week or 10 days I've had my phone now, I'm really getting used to that. And having that larger screen, it makes a difference when you're reading emails, when you're looking at websites, when you're using apps. Um, and and I, I really like the way that Apple has given you two ways to use the larger screen. You can either use the um, the standard view, which means it's a larger screen, and so you have like an extra row of apps to, because of the extra space on the main screen. But they also have a zoomed view, which lets you to sort of, which is what I'm using. So it displays things as if it would appear on an iPhone 5 or 5S screen, but it just makes things a little bit bigger, which I find means I can hold my phone farther away from my face, and I wear glasses, so I mean, anything that helps me see a little bit better is nice. But you can easily switch back and forth, and it's nice, to, it's nice that Apple gives you the choice. Um, you know, there's a lot more things that are better, too, and I could go on. The camera's so much better. Taking pictures of my kids playing soccer is, you know, never been nicer. It's faster. It's got better Wi-Fi, so you can surf the Internet. But, um, but it's really nice. Jim and Sharon, have either one of you all tried out the new iPhones or thinking about look at getting one yourself? Well, John, actually, we, I have yeah. the uh, iPhone 6 right now there in you the go. box uninstalled. So, uh, <laughs> it works he, better if you take it out of the box. <laughs> but, but, but he has it. And, of course, if I were to get an iPhone, I would have to answer to John. And, and so, as you know, I don't control what I buy. But having said that, I am a droid girl by, by preference as well. I know. That's what you, but you got to admit, Sharon, if you were ever going to think of looking at an iPhone, this has got to be the one with the, with the bigger well, size. But this, is, and this is the first time with the larger screen, yeah, because I certainly love the Galaxy uh, S3 and the S5, and uh, you know the the larger screen is a big draw. So I I think Apple has kind of caught up with what made so many people go to the Droid. So you know that that's a that's a wonderful feature without any question. Jeff, let's move on from discussing the heretics back to the true believers. And I know <laughs> I know what uh, most of our listeners are interested in, which is which is the better iPhone to get, the iPhone 6 or the 6 Plus? And uh, of particular concern to me with all these great new movie abilities, uh, how much storage space? Sure. You know, the 6 versus the 6 Plus is um, it's an interesting choice. And to me, for most attorneys, it's going to be a no-brainer. You, you want to get the 6. The 6 Plus is so... So big that although it works really well when you have or when you're using two hands to control it, when you just have it in one hand, I mean you can barely wrap your your hand around it. It is um it is large. You certainly can't reach the top of the screen with your um with your thumb. Now Apple has a workaround for that that you can double tap on the home button to sort of make the top of the screen move down so you can reach it, and that 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 works fine. But the in my mind, if Apple had called the six plus the um, the mini iPad Mini or the, or the iPad Nano or something, people wouldn't really bat an eye because it is a different machine. It is it is almost like a small tablet. And again, that's a great device. Some people really want a small tablet, but um, I think most people who have an iPhone want a phone. And this is, this is, I think, the one to get in terms of size. And it's just a little bit bigger than the 5, but enough to make a difference. Um, the 6 Plus is different. You know, I've actually heard a number of people who did purchase a 6 Plus say that they're having some regret and they're thinking about taking it back and trading it in for a 6. So, um, you know, the simple answer is to go into an Apple store or an AT&T or Verizon T-Mobile store and try it out yourself. But, um, and I know that there are some folks out there that like, for example, the, the, the Android, the, the you know the, the the Galaxy Note, for example, or some of those really huge Android phones, but I, I've never understood it. And uh, every time I hold an iPad, an iPhone 6 Plus, it just doesn't work. 
In terms of the storage, this is an interesting one. Apple typically would have, you know, Apple's always had the three tiers. Uh, and so, you know, last year it was 8, 16, 32, and, or whatever it was, 16, 32, 64. Uh, I expected the low end this year to be a 32 gigabyte. And um, had Apple done that, I think it would have been a tough choice for many lawyers as to whether they get the entry-level one for $200 or spring uh, for the, the, the 64 gigabyte. But this year, Apple is making the low end one only 16 gigabytes, so they're really encouraging you to go for the middle tier, if not the higher one. And I just think nowadays, um, even though you don't put as many documents on your iPhone typically as an iPad, you put a number of them there. And with pictures and videos, I mean, the high-def videos that you can take with this beautiful camera, they take up space. So I would not encourage that any lawyer get the low-end 16-gigabyte iPhone. I think that the sweet spot is the middle tier, the 64-gigabyte. And uh, if you want to splurge, if you're going to be doing a lot of videos um, and a lot of photos, uh, the high-end one's the one to get. I got the high-end one uh, mainly because of my kids, as silly as that may seem, because I have so many pictures and so many videos that I sort of like to have with me that I just like having the, um, the elbow room of the largest size possible. But, um, but for many attorneys, if, if photos and videos are not huge for you, the, uh, the, the 64 gigabyte, it's the, it's the one to get. What are the essential accessories that you'd suggest for this new phone? When I think of iOS accessories, I usually think of the iPad because there's so many things you can get for keyboards and stuff. For the iPhones, there's only a few that I think most people would want to consider. Um, a case is the most obvious one for many people. I will tell you, I have never used an iPhone case other than you know testing one for a while for my website because I just prefer the, the feel of the iPhone in your hand. They're, they're meant to just be held in your hand. I think that's what Apple intended to the extent that that makes a difference. Uh, like the, the curved side that I was talking about before, when you put it in a case, you, you, you take away from that. But I understand that iPhones can be dropped and a case helps protect against that. In fact, I actually have an iPhone 6 case that was sent to me by one of the Apple rumor websites called Mac Rumors. And the funny thing is they actually sent me the case before Apple even introduced the iPhone 6 because it was based <laughs> upon the leaked specifications. And you know what? It fits perfectly. <laughs> so they got all the rumors were correct. And uh, I was actually on a plane trip last week and uh, I could sort of feel the I was still getting used to my 6 and I, I felt it being a little slippery in my hand and I didn't want to drop it in the airport. And so I, I threw the case on it and, uh, and you know, it, it worked. It, it definitely gave it, because it was sort of rubbery, you know, it, it gave it some more friction and it wasn't going to fall out of my hand as I was, you know, racing through the Atlanta airport. So, uh, I, you know, I can see having a case, um, but that's the, the main accessory. But the, the, the main one that I do encourage folks to get is an external battery, because although an iPhone can last all day, if you use it extensively, um, then sometimes it won't. And so I actually have two types of batteries that I carry with me, a larger one and a smaller one. I have a, a, the small one that I use it happens to be called the Power Rocks Super Magic Stick, um, which is about <laughs> 21 bucks on Amazon. But there are, if you, there are like 10 different companies that offer something that looks exactly the same on, on Amazon, and they're all under $25. This is a 2800 uh, milliamp, which basically means it could recharge an iPhone from zero to almost 100% once. And it's really small. It's about the size of a, of a tube of lipstick. And um, so you can throw it in your pocket, and it's nice to have. And then I have a larger uh, battery, like a 10,000 milliamp battery that I carry with me just as much for my iPod, my iPad as for my iPhone. But if you wanted to recharge over and over, and those are small and light enough that, um, like the one I'm using right now is made by a company called Lumsing, L-U-M-S-I-N-G, the harmonica. And uh, it's like 20-something dollars on Amazon, and you can toss it in a case. So it's nice to have an external battery. And then sort of in connection with that battery, it is nice to have an additional 
charging cable, the USB to lightning cable. Apple gives you one with the iPhone, which is one meter. And that's a, that's a fine size, but it's not always the perfect size. And so I, I throw in my bag two other ones. I have a really short one that's like five inches long called the iBolts, uh, I-B-O-L-T-Z-X. XS, iBolts XS, and uh, it's like $20, and uh, it's really short. So if you want to put the iPhone and your little tiny battery just right next to each other in a desk without having a cord that you're going to, you know, push it to the side, that works nice. And then the other extreme, you can get a two-meter cord USB to lightning, which is twice as long as the standard one. Apple sells them, third parties sell them for $30 or less. And that one's nice if you're just a little bit further away from an outlet um, and you want to have that extra space. Um, I I like to carry that around. The only other accessory that I really think most people would want to consider is maybe a pair of Bluetooth headphones, just so you can keep your iPhone in your pocket or your purse. And listen to music or, you know, have phone calls and stuff like that. I don't really have a particular recommendation. I, I personally use one called the ITZ, IT7X. I know that people love the Bose Bluetooth headphones. They're a little bit expensive, but they do sound really nice. They sound great. <laughs> I don't care how much they cost. I'm not giving them up. <laughs> iOS 8 certainly had some initial difficulties, but apparently <laughs> that's behind us now. Yeah, that's right, Jim. <laughs> So what are the best new features of iOS 8? Um, iOS 8 is is one of the biggest increases, uh, one of the biggest advancements Apple's had. You know, they come out with the new iOS every year, um, but this is a big one. Um, last year, iOS 7 was big because aesthetically it changed the look of iOS, and that was important. But iOS 8 has sort of the under-the-hood changes that, gosh, makes such a difference. Um, you know, I just did a post earlier this week on, on Monday, September 29th, about just the email changes in iOS 8. It is so much easier to manage messages now. You've got all of these enhanced features when you swipe across either left or right in your list of emails. When you're um, typing an email with your fingers, Apple now has the predict the predictive test a text um, feature, so that you can you know as you're starting to type a word, it pops up. Uh, there are three places where it pops up right above you, and you can just tap that and, and stop typing. Um, as I mentioned in my post, I was writing someone the other day about a motion for summary judgment, and I I typed S U M, and then one of the choices was not just the word summary, but the word summary judgment, and that's because not not because my iPhone you know has a juris doctorate, but instead because it it could see from the context of my message. I think it saw that I used the word motion a few words before, and so you know tapping the word summary judgment versus um, you know typing all those fourteen characters is just so much faster. So um, so entering is is e- email is faster, and of course entering text messages is the same thing. The Siri dictation is vastly improved from before. I have, I, you know, knock on wood, but I have yet to have Siri get my words wrong. I'm sure it will at some point. It's easy enough to correct, but it's really fast. And I love that now as you're typing and as you're dictating an email, you see the words appear on the screen. That's a feature, Sharon, that Android's had for a while and I was sort of jealous of. And now we have it on the iPhone too, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I really like are the interactive notifications. So, you know, I'm using my iPhone and I have a little banner pop up at the top that says I have an email. Well, in the old days, I would I could tap it and go into that, but then I have to stop what I'm doing and go into email and go back to what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. But with the interactive notifications, you know, an email comes across that that's trash, not necessarily because it's spam, although that counts too, but maybe it's like a, you know, a, a CLE invitation that I know I'm not going to go to. I can just swipe down on the notification, tap the button trash, and like in a half a second, I have disposed of that email and it's never going to bother me again. Um, and, and I love that. Um, and plus there's the handoff feature too. So you can start typing an email on your iPhone and then you realize, 
I got too much to write here. I really want to have my iPad where I may have an external keyboard. You can just go to your iPad, swipe one button, and the emails just sucked right on over to your iPad j- just as if you had, had started typing it. So that's that's the email. But that's that's just one part of, of iOS 8. You know, just to – I could go on forever. But one more thing I'll mention is the extensibility, which is another thing that I think Apple, um, frankly, sort of copied um, you know, or borrowed the ideas from Android. The idea that they're now letting third parties do so much more. So – Third-party app writers can write an app that will not just work within its own app, but can be used in another app. So a, a photography you know, app that has filters you can use within Apple's own Photos app. Or the one that I just totally love is uh, 1Password, uh, which is a great app. It now can work within Safari. And you can use third-party keyboards if you want to use something like Swipe or one of those things to sort of swipe your emails instead of typing them. You know, this is one of those things that already there's some exciting third-party opportunities because Apple has opened up. But the, we've had iOS 8 for just a few weeks now. I mean, in the, in the coming months and certainly in the future, third-party developers are going to go wild. And there's just going to be so many more options. So uh, just, just fantastic. Well, let's take a a, a pause for a commercial break, and then we'll be right back. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. Welcome back to the Digital Edge on the Legal Talk Network. Today, our subject is Lawyers Love Apple, the new iPhones, Apple Pay, and the Apple Watch. And our guest is Jeff Richardson, a partner in the New Orleans office of Adams & Reese. Jeff, a lot of people are waiting anxiously for the Apple Watch. Can you tell us what it will do? I can tell you a little bit. Um, Apple gave us the preview a few weeks ago that, frankly, I think was purposefully only a teaser of what the watch will do. I expect Apple to have a fuller announcement uh, next spring when it's actually available in stores. And I suspect that they're holding back some features, not only to, uh, to surprise us and delight us next year, but also because Apple is keenly aware that companies like Samsung and the Pebble and, and everyone else that's making a, um, a smartwatch out there is paying very close attention to Apple. And you know, if Apple discloses too much, I think that they'll try to copy it in the next couple of months. But having said that, we have seen some really interesting features. It's um, Obviously, it has some, some sports things that you can use for health when you're jogging and stuff like that, and you know, similar to the types of things you might find on a Nike fuel band or something like that, just more advanced. But what's really interesting is that this is a full platform. The, the Apple Watch is not, as frankly I had expected, just like an accessory to the iPhone, um, you know, something almost like a, a headphone or a keyboard. It makes your iPad better. This has the opportunity to be its own computer device. You know, Apple says it's the most personal device they've ever made, and it sort of reminds me of the, you know, the word personal computer, which we all, we've all been using since the early 80s. You know, what is more personal than a computer that is attached to your body and is is always there. You know, most people say that they have their you know, their iPhone or their their other uh, smartphone in their pocket all the time, but a watch is really always with you. And because it has this unique ability to actually tap you um, to give you notifications or for someone to send you messages, I mean, this is a this really is a, a true truly personal device. So uh, you know, on the one hand. 
you know, we're just starting to speculate as to all of the cool things you can do about it. It reminds me in some ways of, y'all remember in early 2010 when the iPad was first announced by Apple? And people said, you know, this is interesting. You know, they've had tablet computers for a long time. They haven't been very successful. And, uh, and I'll admit that as much of an iPhone fan as I am, the, the iPad came out in early 2010. I myself didn't even get one until later in the year. And that was in part because it was my birthday and my parents gave it to me <laughs> as a present. And it wasn't until I had used it for a while and third parties started coming out with all these amazing apps that, you know, nowadays, every single day of my life, professionally I'm using it on my law practice and at home, et cetera. And so I feel the same way about the watch. I feel like, you know, what Apple has shown us is intriguing, but it's going to have so many applications. I mean, just I'm just going to throw out one. You know, it has this ability that it can tap on your hand, right? And which is a way that, you know, someone can can tap you a message as an as a alternative to sending you a text message that you just sort of feel it instantly. You know, can y'all imagine being in court? You know, you're a litigator in the courtroom and your your partner, your associate is in the back of the court and you know something happens happens in trial that they want to alert you to, you know, they tap their smartwatch and within a, you know, a, a second, you feel the tap on your hand without anyone in the courtroom seeing that you're being notified. And it's not just like, you know, one tap, you can have custom taps. They could say like, if I tap, you know, once on the left and once on the right, then that means, you know, object. <laughs> or if I do this, that means they're about to use this privileged document or, you know, you need to approach the bench, whatever <laughs> it is. You know, those are the sorts of things that we can only, uh, think in our head about what they're going to be, but I think they're incredibly exciting. And, you know, the idea of wearable technology is something that I've always been interested in and I know I'm not the only one. Y'all had your uh, show, uh, I guess, about a month ago when Rick George was on it, mm -hmm, and I know that mm -hmm. he loves these devices too. You know, I, I feel like we will be getting more into a world where technology can just become a, a part of our person. And, you know, we'll have a situation where you see someone that, gosh, where do I know them from? And, and however it happens, whether it's on your wrist or in your ear or whatever, I, I think the Google glasses look a little geeky. I'm not sure that's the way to go. But somehow your device will be saying, oh, you know, that's, that's Sharon, her husband's John. Remember, you know, they're really into security. You're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So um, <laughs> these things are coming in the future. And I feel like the Apple Watch is, is just the so. It's just the beginning of it. And so we're months away from the start. And then even when it comes out, it's going to be much like that iPad in 2010. And people are like, well, is this something we're going to use? And then years later, we'll be like, wow, remember when we didn't even know if people wanted tablets? And so uh, I could not be more excited about it. And all changes so fast. And Jim, I think you, I think you wanted to ask about Apple Pay. Well, I did. I've just, there's a lot of talk about that. And at one point, it seems real exciting to tap your phone and pay. And at the other hand, it seems like that we'll have a fear other people will tap and pay out of my account. So what do you think about <laughs> Apple Pay, Jeff? Uh, well, I think it's actually going to be a heck of a lot more secure than giving someone your credit card and they walk away with it. And, you know, you talk to people in Europe who have had chip and pin systems for so long and they're like, you, you give someone your credit card and they walk away with it? Like, how is that possible? And, you know, I've actually, it hasn't happened to me, but it's happened to my wife where suddenly, you know, these charges show up from someone across the country and, you know, you, you, you find it and, and usually you can call the credit card and deal with it. But it feels very violating, you know, when, when that happens. And so the new Apple Pay system, which is going to be so much more secure um, in so many different ways, you know, for that reason alone, I think is great. But frankly, just the convenience of, you know, you, you go to the restaurant and you go to the subway and you just tap your phone and you've paid for your sandwich is just nice. And it's going to be, it's going to be, um, I think people are going to like that. Apple, I think, is trying to take advantage of 
a transition right now because y'all may know that October of 2015 is when the new EMV law comes out that's going to it's going to shift the burden of who's responsible for fraudulent purchases so that if any uh, uh, retailer has the appropriate security methods like a, a device that, that reads a pin as opposed to the swipe on a card, it shifts the fraudulent – because right now they bear the responsibility for fraud. It shifts it over to whoever has the least um, secure method. And so I think Apple realizes that every retailer in America is about to get some new equipment in the next 12 months. And so this is the perfect time for Apple to say, well, you're getting new equipment anyway. Let's have it incorporated with Apple Pay. And, and I'm sure it's going to also work with you know at least some and maybe not all Android devices too because you know one system will have lots of capabilities. But I think that this is perfect timing for Apple. You know, tons of people are buying an iPhone 6 now. A year from now, when, when we actually you know, see these everywhere, these new devices everywhere, there'll be the, the 2015 version of the iPhone. And then uh, a huge portion of America and, and, of course, around the world, too, is going to have phones that can pay electronically. I think the way that Apple's doing it is, um, is even more interesting than what Google has been doing, but maybe that's just because Apple's doing it later, and so they could see the mistakes that Google made and try to, um, to deal with it. But uh, you know, I think this is really going to be nice, and it's going to make the iPhone and, and the Apple Watch, too, because you'll be able to pay with that as well. It's going to make them even more useful in us being um, efficient and secure in our lives. So do you think Apple is going to own the beachhead here because they were the first out of the gate? Or do you think that uh, ultimately there will be competitors, true competitors, and we'll have to have an integrated system that can handle anybody? Yeah, well, you know, they're not first out of the gate because, you know, the Google Pay system is out now with using NFC, but very few phones can use it and even fewer merchants accept it. Right, But that, right. that's, that's going to change. And, you know, of course, th this is what Apple always does, right? They did not come out with the first MP3 player. I mean, I remember I used to use a Diamond Rio player that could hold a whole whopping eight songs. You could almost get an entire album on it. And then Apple comes out with the iPod and that changes everything. And, you know, all of us were using smartphones for years and then Apple comes out with the iPhone and, and whether you bought an iPhone or you bought an Android phone that, that copied the best features, it completely changed the market. And so the, the same is going to probably happen here. There have been some, some things, are, things are in play right now. Nothing's really taken off. I suspect that if it follows those trends that I just described, Apple Pay will really take off. But there will be other solutions out there as well. And um, you know, I think the Apples will probably work better because Apple is usually a little bit more elegant. And maybe the Android solution will offer a little bit more uh, control because that's sort of the way that, that Android tends to go. But for folks who just want something easy and secure, um, I suspect Apple Pay is going to work great. But you know, it, it actually hasn't, even as we're doing this podcast, um, it's not going to be until later this month that any stores will start taking it. So um, you know, we'll have to wait another month or two to see how it really works. All right. Well, is there anything else you want to say as final words here, Jeff? We're about to wrap up, but what, what, what suits your fancy? What would you like us to take away? <laughs> I fully expect us to see another iPad um, coming out uh, maybe later on this month from Apple. They usually come out with an update every year, and uh, maybe we'll even see some new Macs. But, uh, you know, Apple always has new technology. But, boy, this year, um, specifically like this fall, they have really advanced the ball in so many different ways. It's, it's a very exciting time for attorneys and anyone that enjoys using Apple technology. Well, Jeff, I want to thank you so much. Both Jim and I are very grateful that you were able to make it and come on and be our guest today. And there is nobody I know who knows more about these Apple products than you do. And I always learn a ton when I listen to you. So it's nice of you to say. I always love talking with you all whenever we see each other at conferences or present together and stuff. So thanks a lot for inviting me today. 
Thank you. And that does it for this edition of the Digital Edge, Lawyers and Technology. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us on iTunes. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye, Ms. Sharon. Happy trails, cowboy. Thanks for listening to the Digital Edge, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Sharon Nelson and Jim Calloway for their next podcast covering the latest topic related to lawyers and technology. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.